the Lord. Well, if you have your Bibles today, how many have your Bibles today? You have the Word of God? Luke chapter 11 is where we're going to begin as we have begun uh, uh, Thursday and Friday as well. And as you know, the, the theme of these three days has been, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's where we're going to begin again this morning in Luke chapter 11, beginning with verse 1, and then we're going to uh, go to Matthew chapter 6. But when you get there, say amen. Amen. The Bible says, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And we're going to stop there for right now. But as I mentioned Thursday and also Friday, those words that the disciples spoke to Jesus, I think are some of the most wonderful words in the Bible. And one of the most awesome prayers that you and I could ever make to God, Lord, teach me to pray. God, help me to pray. Uh, And these words came from the mouth of the disciples, again, some of the most awesome words that have ever come from a child of God. Now go in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And beginning this morning with verse 9. This morning we're going to be studying the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer. Prayer coming from Matthew chapter 6. And as I mentioned the last two days, both Luke and Matthew record the Lord's Prayer. We're more familiar with Matthew's version. And because it's there's more detail given into it. But Matthew chapter 6, and beginning with verse 9, Jesus is speaking, and he gave them here the model prayer, the example of prayer. And he says, After this manner, therefore pray you, our Father. Who, are, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, that just sounds, oh, that's good just reading it. Hallelujah. Let's read it again. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Wow, what a prayer. Jesus, in these words, again, he was giving us the model prayer. He was giving us the example of prayer, of our prayer in gen- prayer life in general, in a condensed form. Now, just so that you understand, as we, as we begin our study of this prayer, Jesus was not giving us the exact words to say Every time we pray, for example, every time we come to God, we don't have to say the Lord's Prayer. He wasn't giving us some form of uh, uh, ritual that we have to do every time, again, we come to the Lord. He was not giving us 
words that we are to repeat as if, again, it's some kind of uh, a religious ritual. Every time we come, we have to repeat those words. Or, you know, if you don't repeat those words, God won't hear you. We live in such an age, and it's been this way for a long time, really all throughout church history. There's always been those that have said, no, you got to say those words, or God won't hear you. Oh, this is just law. Jesus was not giving us some form of law here, but he was giving us the model prayer. You get that? And we ought to pay special attention to it. We ought to pay close attention to it. This, as the, this was really the perfect example of prayer in a condensed form. He said, when you pray, pray in this manner. And again, he was giving them the example of, of, of prayer in a condensed form that in our prayer life in general, our prayer life ought to consist of what Jesus gave here in this prayer. Does that make sense? Again, our prayer life in general could, should consist of these things that he told us here in the model prayer. And we're going to go through it line by line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. The first thing he said was, when you pray, again, he didn't say if you pray, but when you pray, I pray after this manner. He said, our Father who is in heaven... When he made that statement, as we've dealt with the last three days, what he was doing was he was showing us that our prayer life is, is first and foremost a relationship with God. That's what our prayer life is all about. It's all about relationship. It's not some, it's not some ritual, dead ritualistic uh, vain repetition to a, a stone Buddha somewhere, but you and I have a relationship with God. Oh, that's exciting, hallelujah. And it's a privilege that we have to, to be able to communicate and have him communicate back to us. He's our father, and I've emphasized that the last three days. It's interesting that in the teachings of Christ in the gospel, specifically in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus used that word Father over and over and over again. I think in Matthew 6, if I remember right, verses 1 through 18, Jesus used the word Father 10 times. He emphasized that to his disciples. He is your Father. And when we come to God in prayer, that's the manner in which you and I ought to approach God. He's our Father. Through, our, through the blood of Jesus, through what Christ has done for us at Calvary, and through simple faith in the sacrificial death of Calvary, the God that created the whole earth is my Father. Wow. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. And God hears his own, and God takes care of his own. Hallelujah. That's right. When we... When we come to God in prayer, we ought to know that. We ought to know it deep in our spirit. It ought to be a part of our very nature, instinctive knowledge. God is my Father. And the love that he has for us is a fatherly love. He loves his own. He loves us. And God, again, takes care of his own. And he, as I said yesterday, 
God as our father. He's actually more of a father to us than even our earthly father is. If your father, if you didn't, maybe you didn't have an earthly father, you did, but maybe he wasn't, maybe you didn't, we weren't raised with an earthly father here on this earth. Maybe he, maybe your parents were divorced at a young age. I know my parents were divorced at a young age. And I never really was really around my earthly father, my biological father. Growing up, I saw maybe two weeks out of the year. You know, I, I love my, still love my dad, but I loved him so much and I knew he loved me, but I was never around him. He was never around me. And I remember several, this is, it was in Bible college actually, and I began to, uh, my, one of my first and second years in Bible college, and I began to see some, some tendencies in my life that I knew were in my biological dad, my father. You ever seen, you ever done that before? Like, man, my dad was a rascal. Look, and I'm a rascal too. Thanks, dad, or thanks, mom. We get the, the good, bad, and the ugly. <laughs> I was seeing some traits, and one day uh, uh, I was just thinking, and I was just thinking to myself in my room, and I was saying, man, you know what? That's the way my dad was. And look, that's the way I am too. And it wasn't good. It wasn't, it wasn't a good thing. I don't want to explain what it was because it, it, it's none of your business, but it just, it wasn't a good thing. It just wasn't good. And as I was meditating on that and thinking about that and all troubled about, man, look, at, I, I, look I, guess I, I guess I'm going to have to, I guess I'm going to follow the same path my dad did in this earth. And the Lord reminded me that day, and he said, you know what? I am your father. <laughs> and you, you've got my bloodline flowing through your spiritual veins. Hallelujah. And no, I didn't call you to be like your earthly father, and you're not going to be like your earthly father. You're going to be like your heavenly father. You're going to be like your elder brother is. And so, again, the point is, when we approach God, we're to approach him as our father. He takes care of his own. Hallelujah. We're in relationship with him, a loving relationship. Now, one thing I want to mention here about this. In general, God, Jesus was telling us, again, when we approach God, and he, he, now, now get this, when Jesus gave the Lord's prayer, he didn't go into a deep explanation of every statement he made, Right? He just made the statement and that's it. He didn't really explain what he was talking about. But as we approach God, we understand this, that we are to approach God in the name of Jesus. You get that? It's through what Christ did for us at Calvary that he is even our father to begin with. But in that, it is, understand this, it's not wrong to address Jesus in our prayer life. It's not wrong to talk to Jesus. It's, I don't even think it's wrong to even reference the Holy Spirit. It's nothing wrong with saying, Holy Spirit, I need you. You get that? He speaks to us. In Acts 13, verse 2, it says the disciples in Antioch were praying, were fasting and seeking the Lord, and the Holy Spirit said, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have for them. Now understand this, it's not right for us to worship the Holy Spirit. And it's not right for us to, that, that our prayer life as a whole should be addressed to the Holy Spirit. No, 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 it's to be to God as our Father. 
The same thing applies to Jesus, except we are to worship Jesus. Hallelujah. We can talk to Jesus. We can say, we can say, thank you, Jesus. Jesus, I need you. Hallelujah. Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. We sing the song sometimes in, in regards to the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, I need thee. Come, Holy Spirit, I pray. Come in thy strength and in thy power. Come in thine own gentle way. You know what? Does God honor that song? Oh, yes, he does. He's honored it millions of times over. Hallelujah. But get this. In general, consistently, our prayer should always be to God in the name of Jesus. Is that, got that? All right. The next thing he said, he said, hallowed be your name. Now, when he made that statement, in general, what he is referring to is reverencing the name of God. When we come to God, we are to come in reverential fear, not scared fear, not shaken fear, but reverential fear because he's God, he's the creator, we are the created. He's our father, we're his child. We should come in reverential respect and fear. But that, 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 those words there, that statement, also includes praise and worship. Praise and worship for who he is and what he has done. Go, go in your Bible, turn your Bible, if you would, to Psalm 100. And this morning, we, we are going through this somewhat, somewhat quickly. And I don't want to just skim over things, but at the same time, we, I've only got till 9 o'clock. <laughs> in Psalm 100, well, this is one of the, this is, this, is a, this is an awesome psalm here. Psalm 100, beginning with verse 1, and, and uh, the, if you have an expositor Bible or another study, type of study Bible, you might see there it says the author is unknown. And uh, I, I personally believe it's David, but nevertheless, it begins by saying, verse 1, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. <laughs> now, this is not my subject. I'm going to chase a rabbit for a second. But even if you can't sing a lick, <laughs> even if you can't sing at all, uh, you can still make a joyful noise. Just make it quietly, all right? <laughs> May, or, or do it by yourself. <laughs> But you can still make a joyful noise. Hallelujah. And understand, when we get in our resurrected bodies, we're all going to have a perfect voice. Hallelujah. Verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Now get this, come before his presence with singing. Hallelujah. Come before his presence with singing. Again, that includes praise and worship. Verse 3, know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Wow. Verse 4, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. 
His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. When Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, when he said, hallowed be your name, I tell you, it included what, was, what, we get, what he gave us in the Psalms. It included Psalm 100 and verse 4, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. God, it is you that made me and not me myself. Hallelujah. And Lord, you're a good God. So our prayer life should consist much of praise. And as I mentioned yesterday, if you can't figure out what to thank God for and to praise him for, start thanking him for the things that you might feel are insignificant. You get that? Like the air in your lungs, which that is, that's not an insignificant thing, by the way. But start thanking him for what you might think is insignificant, like the clothes on your body, like the home you live in, like the shoes on your feet. Hallelujah. Or the hair on your head, or, the, or maybe you don't have hair on your head, but just thank God you got a head. Hallelujah. Thank God. Just thank him for everything and everything. Give thanks. Hallelujah. Because he's a good God. Again, if you have a hard time thanking, start thanking for the, what you might feel is the insi insignificant things. And after a while, you know what? You'll start feeling it. Most of all, thank him for saving your soul. Hallelujah. Oh, Brother Bob, you don't know. I'm going through this and I'm going through that. Hey, your sins are forgiven and you're on your way to heaven. Hallelujah. He said the next statement, going back to Matthew chapter 6 now, the next statement he made in verse 10, he said, your kingdom come. And again, we're, we're going through this somewhat quickly, so you'll have to follow me to get done before 9 o'clock. <laughs> he said, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Now, when Jesus made that statement, this began the petitioning section of the Lord's Prayer. As, I've, as we've dealt with the last three days, there are three main things that our prayer life consists of. Number one, relationship, first and foremost. Number, number two, praise and worship. And then number three, petitioning. Which we're, petitioning just simply means asking. And it includes asking him for a whole range of different things. It could be asking him to forgive you of your sins. It could be asking him to meet your physical needs. It could be asking him to save a lost loved one. It could be asking him to pour out the Holy Spirit. We've got a lot to ask God for. You get that? We've got a whole lot to thank him for, and we've got a lot to ask him for. And it's awesome as it concerns asking. Look at Matthew 6 and, and, verse, and verse 8, just a few verses before this. He said, be not you therefore like unto them, for your Father knows the things you have need of even before you ask him. Well, I guess there's no need to ask him then. No, there is. Even though he knows what we have need of, and get this, God really knows what we need. We really don't many times. We have no idea what we have need of. But thank God for the Holy Spirit who will pray through us according to the will of God when we have no idea what to ask him for. Hallelujah. 
And so when you feel in your life, when you have seasons in your life, when you feel like, well, I just, you know, I just don't know. I've had many times like that in my life. Many times I've, I've asked, I, I don't even really know what to ask him for. Or I felt like I was asking him for something that I had no idea what it was about. In, in Romans chapter 8, Paul gave us a clue on that, that the Holy Spirit helps us. You get that? And through our dependence in the finished work of Calvary, that sanctifying grace of God, that, that unearned, undeserved work of the Holy Spirit will work in us and pray through us to God the Father. According to the will of God. But this began the petitioning section of the Lord's Prayer. And he began it by saying, your kingdom come. Now this statement right there, there's a lot that could be said about the kingdom of God. But I'll summarize it in this. It refers to a desire that we ought to have for God's rule. You get that? It concerns a desire that Jesus is saying that we ought to have in our heart, in our spirit, as it concerns the rule of God. God the, the word kingdom speaks of God's rule, His dominion. His rule, his dominion. Now understand this. There is both a future aspect and a present aspect of God's rule. Oh, I thank the Lord. One day Jesus Christ is going to physically rule from on this earth. Hallelujah. One day he's going to rule during the thousand-year reign of Christ. We refer to it as the millennium. He's going to rule physically from Jerusalem. You and I will rule and reign with him in our glorified bodies. There'll be no more aging bodies, no more imperfections. We'll be just like Jesus. Hallelujah. And a perfect body. No more effects of the sin nature. No more effects of the fall. Perfect spirit, soul, and body. Boy, a lot could be said about that. We'll have no, we'll have no natural limitations. Hallelujah. I look forward to that day. And that's what Jesus was hinting here and hitting on. That there ought to be a desire in our hearts for God's rule and the future rule of God as well. That Lord Jesus, I look forward to the day when you rule this earth. And there is evidence in God's word that when Jesus does rule this earth, and you and I will rule with him, that the nations of the world will come to Jerusalem and learn from the mouth of Jesus himself. It will be like Solomon's kingdom. In Solomon's kingdom, the people of the earth used to come to, to, to Jerusalem to hear the wisdom of Solomon. But Jesus, Solomon's, Solomon's kingdom was only a shadow. It was only, it was only a little shadow. Wow. Only a, only a shadow. See my shadow? It was only a shadow of the real deal when Jesus comes. And you and I ought to long for that. There ain't no such thing as being too heavenly minded and no earthly good. That really doesn't exist. Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, 2 and 3, set your mind on things above. Hallelujah. Set your mind on things above. Glory. So when Jesus said your kingdom come, he was talking about 
the future aspect, but he was also talking about the present aspect. Our prayer should be, Lord, God, rule in my heart. Let your kingdom be manifest in my life. Hallelujah. That you rule, you rule every part of me. That your kingdom again is manifest in me. That the world sees your rule in my life. That Jesus, you rule as the king in my heart. I mentioned yesterday, God doesn't want half of us. He wants all of us. Hallelujah. He wants to rule it all. Because as Jesus said, the kingdom of God is not some physical thing you can see with your eyes here on this earth right now. The kingdom of God is within you. The question we have to ask ourselves is, Lord, are you, is God ruling me? Is Jesus ruling my heart? And our prayer ought to be, Lord, let you rule in my life. Hallelujah. If you're a pastor, Lord, rule in the church. Jesus, rule in the church. You dominate the church. You dominate my life. The next thing he said is in verse 10, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. The will of God should be primary in our life. The will of God speaks of his desire. It speaks of his wants. It speaks of, again, of his will, his desires, his wants for our life. And it's interesting that even Jesus himself in Gethsemane said, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. If the Savior prayed that, how much more should you and I? And that should be a very part of our being. God, I want your will in my life done. You get that? Your will, that ought to be a filter in our life. You get that? That ought to be a filter in everything we do. Is this the will of God? I didn't say, is it a good thing? Is it a God thing? You single people, well, that's, this is huge. Is that man, is that woman, are they the will of God? Oh, but Lord, they're beautiful. She's just a knockout. Is she the will of God? Oh, but but he's just, he's so handsome and and he's even more rich than handsome. Oh, it's got to be the will of God. No, is he the will of God? Everything in our life, everything, everything. As a pastor, as a minister, is this the will of God? You get that? Is this the will of God in your life? Is this the will of God? Our prayer ought to always be that, Lord, I want your will to be done. Now get this, when you know something is is God's will, you don't have to say, Lord, if it's your will. If you know something is the will of God, stop saying, Lord, if if this is your will. When you know it's God's will, then know it's God's will, say, Lord, I know this is your will, and God bless it. God move in it. What happens if you don't know if it's the will of God? Well, wait on the Lord. Hallelujah. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Keep seeking his face. Wait on the Lord, and God will show you. He said, if any man lacks wisdom, do what then? If you you lack wisdom, do what? 
Let him ask of God. That's prayer. Let him go to God and ask him, petition him. Lord, I need your wisdom. I don't know if it's your will. I don't know if this is what you want me to do. Go to God in faith. And so he said, let your will be done. It's interesting that in the petitioning section of the Lord's prayer, that the Lord put his rule and his will in the primary positions. You get that? He put his rule and his will in the primary position. Lord, your rule in my life and your will being done in my life. Your rule, your dominion over me, and your will being done. Hallelujah. And I tell you something, and maybe, and, and I, you, sometimes we have to learn this just flat out through experience and through hitting our head against the wall many times, but God's will is always best. It's not always what we like, but it is always the best. Hallelujah. It is always the best thing for our life. Mm. Hallelujah. Boy, that's good. Oh, but, uh, uh, but, but, but if I follow God's will, I'm going to have to wait on him. Yes. Hallelujah. You are going to have to wait on him. But as you wait on him, you will learn to trust him. You will learn to depend upon him when you have to wait on him. Oh, but if I... Man, if I, if I have God's will, and man, I'm, I might, I might go through, I'm going to go through some, some difficult times. Yeah, but it's always the best. Hallelujah. God will always give you his strength, his grace to make it through. Lord, let your will be done. Hallelujah. Then he said in verse 11, he said, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. That statement refers to both our physical needs and our spiritual needs. Our physical bread and our spiritual bread. In that statement, he is dealing with us petitioning God, asking God to meet all of our needs, really. And again, in verse 8, Jesus said that God knows what we have need of even before we ask him. But what's awesome is that God still wants us to ask him anyway. Hallelujah. I thank God the Father loves to hear our voice. I know as a father in the natural, I love to hear my children's voice. I love it. And, and, and there's something also special about a daddy's girl. My little guy, little six-year-old girl, Sydney. I love my son. Of course, I love my son. But there's just something special about my little girl when she asks me for something, she wants a suck or candy or money. I'm just, just something in me. I'm just like, oh, man. <laughs> I just want to do it. <laughs> I just want to give it to her. You know what? That's, I think, if, if we as earthly fathers are like that, how much more is our heavenly father like that? Hallelujah. Now, he don't like to hear, excuse my poor English, but he doesn't like to hear, he doesn't like to hear unbelief. He doesn't like to hear whining. Just like you as an early father or a parent, do you like to hear whining? Do you like to hear your children whine? Oh, no, 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 no. You don't want, I don't think our Heavenly Father likes to hear us whine either because it's worry and it's unbelief. He doesn't like to hear unbelief come from our mouth, but he does love to hear faith. 
Hallelujah. He does love his children to, to speak to them in faith and petition him and say, God, meet these needs. God, I do believe you to meet these needs. Lord, will you, again, both the spiritual and the physical needs. All of our needs. And again, you and I have a whole lot that we have need of. He said, give us this day our daily bread. Every day of our life, we ought to petition him really to meet our needs. Next statement he gives in verse 12, he says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Mm. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This refers to asking God for the forgiveness of sins that we've committed. Well, it's a big one. It concerns us asking God to forgive us from our sins that we've committed. And I believe it includes us asking God to forgive us of sins that we didn't even know we committed. So I believe that you and I are so depraved, we're so weak, we're so full of holes that sometimes we do things wrong that we didn't even realize we did wrong. We ought to ask God to forgive us of our sins. I come across a sister several years ago, and I, and, and I forgot what setting it was. It, it might have, I forgot what setting it was, but we were, I was dealing in, 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 a, uh, to, in a church, and I was talking about forgiveness of sins, asking God to forgive us. And she came up to me afterwards, and, 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 and I'm not doubting the, the sister's sincerity at all. I believe she loved the Lord. But she came to me afterwards and said, you know what, you, you were telling us that we ought to ask God to forgive us of our sins, but you know what, why should we do that? Why should we ask God to forgive us of our sins? I, I thought we're justified. I thought we're justified. And, and, and justification means that we're, we're righteous, and so we don't really have any sins to ask God to forgive us from. Do you understand the, the, what she, the way she was thinking? And what she was doing without, I don't think, without even realizing it, was using justification as really as an excuse not to ask God to forgive us of our sins, but through her misunderstanding of justification, she was thinking that she doesn't sin. And that's wrong. Just because you and I are 100% justified and declared righteous in the eyes of God, that doesn't mean that we don't sin no more. We do. And when we, when, we, when we sin, and even when we realize we don't sin, you and I are to ask God to forgive us of our sins. And a question was just asked me actually a few days ago, well, what happens, what happens if the rapture takes place and you're in the midst of sin? <laughs> what happens? What happens if the trumpet sounds and you're right, right in the middle of a beep? <laughs> Beep. <laughs> what happens? Trumpet sounds. Beep. And you know what beep means. Uh, and she was thinking that, well, I guess if that happens, then uh, that it happens that way, then you're going to miss the rapture. You'll miss it. Because if you're sinning at the exact time the rapture takes place, you can't go to heaven because you were sinning at the exact time the rapture took place, and you didn't, you didn't have time to ask God to forgive you. But you know what, that's not right. That's not right thinking. 
When the rapture takes place, we're going up imperfections and all. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. You better thank God. You better thank God that the rapture, your rapture, your resurrection is not dependent on you being perfect at the time it comes. I'm, not, I'm talking about perfect on this earth. You and I are full of imperfections. More, we are, we're more weak than you and I could ever realize. And when the rapture takes place, we're going. Hallelujah. If any man be in Christ, he's the one who's going. Imperfections at all. Well, what happens about the sin in our life? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 tells us that we're going to be judged for our sin. And you and I will lose rewards based on our unfaithfulness to the Lord here on earth. And if we've got sin in our life, I'm talking about as a child of God. You get that? As a child of God, you're in Christ Jesus, but you've got known sin in your life, you know what? You'll lose rewards when you stand before Christ. You get that? And as Paul said, there will be some who will be saved as through fire. <laughs> Meaning that when they get there, they'll have the smell of smoke on them. They'll lose, they'll lose a lot of rewards because of their unfaithfulness to God here on earth but they will still make it. Now understand this, that's not an excuse to sin. <laughs> well, one time I was ministering to a group of teenagers, a youth group, and I was telling them that, there, and we were going through eschatology and end time events, and I was telling them that there will be people who do get saved after the rapture. And it was a group of them that were like, wow, that's cool. So I can still, I can miss the rapture, I can still make it. And they, and they, were, they were just, you know, teenagers, you know, whatever. They were being teenagers. And, uh, but I, I told them, no, 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 no. Just because, yes, people will be saved after the rapture, that's no excuse to miss the rapture. Live for God now. Hallelujah. Now's the day of salvation. You give them all, be sold out right now for Jesus. Hallelujah. So he said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, one of the greatest verses in all the Bible. In 1 John 1, 9, John said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank God for that, that God is a forgiving God. He forgives us of our sins. Hallelujah. He's a merciful God. He's a long-suffering God. And there is nothing that God won't forgive you of. Get that? There's not one sin that God won't forgive you of. One of the greatest lies of the enemy is to tell God's people or to tell people in general, unsaved or saved, that you've gone too far. Maybe you felt that way before. I've been too far. I've done too much. I've done too much wrong. God won't forgive me. Baloney. Baloney. That's a lie. It's a lie from the pit. Your God, the God of the Bible, is a forgiving God. He's a merciful God. And he will forgive you of all. Oh, that's good. He will forgive you of all your sins. 
Well, that's good. He'll forgive you of all your sins. All of them. Cleanse you from all, all unrighteousness. Man, hallelujah. The blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. Oh, what we think is the little ones and what we think is the big ones. It's all sin. And God forgives us of it all. Oh, I know that's, I know that's Sunday school theology. It's basic one-on-one. But we should never, ever, 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 ever move away from that. Never, ever move away from that. If you move beyond that, that you need, that, that well, I'm, you know, I've grown up now. I don't, I don't do that no more. Well, you haven't grown up. You haven't gotten deeper. You've gotten thinner. You've become more surface. And you might have gotten deep, but deep in the wrong thing. And so he said, forgive us our sins as we forgive our debtors. And in that statement, there is the prayer that, Lord, we need your help to forgive others as you have forgiven us. You get that? Lord, help us to forgive others as you have forgiven us. That's huge right there. Because even Jesus would say, after he gave the Lord's prayer in verses 14 and 15, that if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you of your trespasses. And our prayer should be, Lord, help me to forgive people that have done wrong to me. Lord, help me to bless those who curse me, to pray for those who despitefully use me. God, help me to do that. Help me to do that. Hallelujah. To forgive, to have your heart as it concerns forgiveness of others. Jesus went on to say in verse 13, he said, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That statement right there, I don't know if we really understand the weight of that statement that Jesus made. Because there is more to it than just, I think, just a passive reading over it. There's much more to it when he said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Understand this, that God does not tempt us. The book of James tells us that God does not tell us. And so don't interpret that statement as if God, as Jesus is saying, you know, God, don't tempt me. Don't tell me, God, or I'll do it. No, he wasn't doing that. That's, that's not right. But God, understand this. Because of our own self-will, because of our own self-confidence, because of our own self-righteousness, because of our own self, 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 me, 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 I, 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 I. And if we are insistent on self, 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 God will allow us to go our own way. You get that? He'll allow us to go our own way. And if we go our own way, watch out because you and I will be overcome by temptation. Will we? We will be. That's not a might, not a maybe. You and I will be overcome by evil. And every one of us, I think, could get up here and tell our own testimony about how we've gone our own way and been overcome by evil. And then this statement that Jesus made, inherently in it, there is the thought of, Lord, protect me from myself. 
Lord, help me not to go my own way. Because if I do, I'll be overcome by evil and by the evil one. Oh, this is incredible. One of the, one of the greatest prayers that you and I could ever pray <laughs> is, Lord, protect me from myself. Oh, my Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, protect me from myself. Protect me from myself. Now get this, just because you're a child of God, that doesn't mean everything you do is God's will. Some, in the word of faith, in some camps in the word of faith doctrine, there are those that think, well, because I'm a king's kid, every, every step that I put my foot on, that's God's will. That's God's territory. So everywhere I go, that's God's will. No, that's a lie. If you and I will follow our own way, you and I will be overcome by evil, and we will be destroyed. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, again, inherently in that statement is the thought, Lord, don't let me go my own way. I know over the years being here, that I, and I, I started here in 91 as a Bible college student. But over the years being here, one of the things that has made such an impact on my life is just observing Brother Swaggart. I don't worship Brother Swaggart, neither do you. But he's a man of God. And I thank God that the Lord has given me the privilege of being here at this ministry and observing his life. And there are times in prayer meeting, and I don't, I don't make it a habit, but sometimes, because Brother Swagger prays out loud at times. But sometimes in prayer meeting, I, 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 I don't make it a habit, but I just, I, I guess I'll, I'll, be, I'll be quiet in prayer, and I'll just hear him pray. And get this, I have heard him pray so many times. Going back to the early 90s when we were having prayer meeting every day, 10 o'clock in the morning, and I think it was 6.30 in the evening. And now we're having them on Tuesdays and Saturdays. The Lord has brought that spirit of prayer back to this ministry. And but even go all the way back to the 90s, I've heard him so many times say these words, or maybe not these exact words, but words to this effect, Lord, Lord, help me not to go my own way. That's the heart of the leadership of this ministry. You get that? I said that is the heart of the leadership of this ministry. Lord, help us not to go our own way. Because if we do, we will fail. We'll mess up. I tell you what, that ought to be your prayer as well. Not only for your life, but also for this ministry as well. Lord, help Brother Swagger, help Brother Donnie, Sister Swagger, the leadership of this ministry. Help them not to go their own way. But Lord, help them to follow the Holy Spirit. Lord, help them to be led by the Holy Spirit. That ought to be our prayer as well. Lord, protect me from myself. Because I'm, I'm a mess in and of myself. I need to be led by your Holy Spirit. I need your leading and I need your direction in my life, Lord. Every step of the way, I am weak, but you are strong. Lord, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer, he said, deliver us from the evil one, which is Satan, the enemy of our soul. 
I believe what Jesus was saying there as well is that when we, in our life as a believer, you and I ought to, or we, sh- we should have the understanding that there, is a tr- that, are, that there is a real devil, and he's the enemy of our soul, and he comes to seek uh, and destroy, roaring as a lion, seeking whom he may devour. And we ought to understand that in our Christian life, but never be afraid of him. Get that? Understand that he's there. Understand that there are lying spirits. Understand that there are seducing spirits. Understand that there are oppressing spirits, but never be afraid, but understanding that they are the enemy of our soul. And understanding that through the cross of Jesus Christ, every devil of hell is defeated. Hallelujah. And that you and I have authority over him in the name of Jesus. Through the cross of Christ, we have the victory. Hallelujah. We have the victory over evil. We have the victory over the evil one. Praise the Lord. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Man, that's good. Hallelujah. In Ephesians chapter 6, when Paul and five, when, when Paul explained the, the, the armor of the Lord, everything he, he talked about, the, the, the helmet, the, the, the breastplate, on, on the feet, the loins, the sore, all that, all that had to do with the cross. All that had to do with Jesus. He wasn't talking about putting on those things separately yourself. It all had to do with Jesus. Just put on Christ. Hallelujah. Put on Christ. Christ is our everything. Christ is everything. And the understanding that through Christ, every devil is defeated. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And then he said in verse 13, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What a statement. For Lord, and and, and the way that, that, that Jesus closes out the model prayer, he closes out the model prayer with more praise and worship. Hallelujah. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We have so much to be thankful for. And he closes out again the Lord's Prayer with thanksgiving, worship, praise to God, declaring who he is and declaring what he has done. Hallelujah. Go in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to close with this today. Matthew chapter 7 and beginning with verse 7. One of the things that Jesus emphasized in his teaching on prayer is our attitude that you and I ought to have in prayer. And in Matthew chapter 7, he said this. He said, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it shall be opened. And Jesus in his teaching on prayer, we, we, we don't have the time to look at it, but he gave two parables on prayer and our attitude in prayer. He gave the parable of the friend coming to another friend at midnight. And the one friend came to another friend at midnight and he knocked on the door. 
He knocked on the door of his friend and said, hey, friend, I, I had a, a guest come and, and I need some bread. Can you loan me some three loaves of bread? The friend that was inside said, no, I'm not, I can't come right now. I'm in bed for crying out loud. That's an expanded translation. But for crying out loud, I can't come right now. I'm in bed. And my kids are with me. And you know, I, no, just no. And Jesus said that the man, the friend, one friend kept on doing it. He kept on doing it. He kept on doing it. And he said, Jesus said that, and I'm paraphrasing here, that the one friend that was in, on the inside eventually got up out the bed and gave the other friend the three loaves. But he said he didn't do it because he was his friend. He did it because of the, of the importunity of the other friend, which the word importunity means persistence. You get that? It means persistence and perseverance. And the, and the, and the, and the point of that parable was simply this, that if an unwilling source will get up out of the bed and give the friend what he needs, how much more will a willing source, hallelujah, God is a willing source. You never have to worry about going to God saying, God, I need your help. God, I need your help in this matter. Lord, will you, st- Lord, will you provide? And God's saying, you know what? I really don't feel like it right now. God will never do that to us. He's a willing source. The other parable that Jesus gave quickly about prayer, following the same pattern, was the, was the parable of the unjust judge. The parable of the unjust judge in Luke chapter 18. In Luke 18, he said, he taught a parable that men ought always to pray. And he said there was this widow that needed, that had a need, and she came to a judge, an unjust judge. And said, judge, I have a need. need, Will you give it to me? But the unjust judge basically said, get away from me. I'm paraphrasing now, of course. Just get get away away from me. No, I'm not going to do that. You're a widow for crying out loud. I'm a judge. Don't you know who I am? No, I'm not going to do that. But Jesus said, because of her persistence, because she kept on coming back, the unjust judge finally said, okay, I'll do it for you. And the point of that parable was, if an unjust judge will give the widow woman what she needs, how much more will a just judge? And our God is a just judge. Hallelujah. He's a just father. And in this passage that we just read in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus follows that same line of thinking when he said, ask, and it shall be given, seek, and you shall find, knock, and it shall be open. That is in the present tense verb, as you might have heard before. And what Jesus was implying there is you ask and you keep on asking. You seek and you keep on seeking. You knock and you keep on knocking. Keep on coming back. Don't come back in unbelief. Come back in faith. Hallelujah. Don't repeat yourself over and over again through unbelief, thinking that God will hear you because you keep on saying it over and over again. No, no, don't do that. Don't use vain repetition. But in faith, keep on coming back. Hallelujah. Keep on coming back. Oh, I've read it. 
I've heard it from older, from older believers, especially those that have been in Pentecost for many years, and I've heard them say, in the old days we used to pray through. You've heard that statement before? In the old days, in the old days of Pentecost or Methodism or, 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 Baptist, or Baptist, we used to pray through back then. What, was, what did they mean by that? just simply meant they prayed and they prayed and they kept on praying. They got a hold of the altar until God did something, until God moved. Persistence, perseverance, and prayer. Jesus here was not giving us some kind of law, but he was telling us our attitude that you and I ought to have in prayer. And that attitude is keep on coming back. Hallelujah. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And he gave this promise. And this is a promise that you and I ought to take personally. He said in verse 8, for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be open. Verse 9, or what man is there of you whom, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your, who? Your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them who ask him. Ask him. Ask him in faith and keep on coming back. Keep on believing. Don't give up. Hallelujah. Don't give up. Don't give up. This is the way we're going to close these three teaching sessions with those words. Don't give up. Keep on coming back to Jesus. Hallelujah. Or Brother Bob, you just don't understand. Well, you know what? Maybe I don't understand your situation, but I do understand what Jesus said. And it doesn't matter how bad the problem is. It doesn't matter how bad it is. The answer is the cross. The key is our dependency in the finished work of Calvary. And I tell you, through that, in that mindset, with that heart, keep on coming back. Keep on believing. Hallelujah. Don't give up. Thank you, Lord. And he gave us the promise that he will come through. He will give good things to his children. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you this morning in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and God, we're so thankful, Lord, that you're a good God. We thank you, Lord, that you are concerned with every detail of our life, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you love us today. You care for your own. And, Lord, we're asking that today you would, Lord, you would challenge us. Lord, challenge us. Deal with our hearts. Lord, even convict us if it's needed. But, Lord, most of all, move us, draw us to you in prayer, Lord. Help us to pray. God, help us to pray. Lord, help us to seek you in these last days. Lord, we believe that you're drawing a people that will seek you, that will be like Elijah, that will ask the Lord for the rain, and the rain will come. 
We thank you, Lord, and we praise you for it. Bless us, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. Hallelujah.